Welcome to the Body Emotion Podcast. Pain, physical exercise and health and emotions. Stay here because today we have such an interesting episode. We're going to be learning about stress, psychology and personalities. So, get on on the train and let's start the journey. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you very much for being here. Pay attention, get relaxed, turn the volume up and stay focused on the episode because today is going to be interesting. I'm going to be telling you such an interesting stories and studies uh, and you're going to be learning a lot. My name is David El Corabarrutia. Remember, follow me on social media underscore body emotion and you can see what I do in my daily practice. And you can stay uh, and you can learn and you can just follow me. It's a great account, but underscore body emotion. So today we're going to be speaking about why psychological stress is stressful. First thing we need to consider is that, uh, think about this, okay? We need to be able to see the difference between physical stress and psychological stress. Both are correlated, correlated, interrelated. Example. Imagine you're playing sports, football, tennis, basketball, you're running, you're doing cross-country, whatever. And then you, you, you get, your ankle gets sprained or you have a, like a sprained ankle. So suddenly your body, because there's a stress, um, yeah, there's going to be like a stress response that is going to be modulating that stress which, uh, through inflammation, you know, your ankle is going to be swollen, etc. And that's going to create as well some kind of psychological stress because uh, imagine that, you, you know, your job demands a lot of standing. You're a waitress, okay? So, well, it's going to be tricky because maybe you're going to have to be sick leave or you're not going to be able to work. It can cause, like, psychological stress. But the important thing is that the physiological stress response can be modulated by psychological factors. So two identical stressors with the same kind of extent of uh, disruption in, in your organism can be perceived and can be appraised differently. And then the whole show changed from there a lot. Why? Because suddenly the stress response could be made bigger or it could be made smaller. And that's going to depend on these psychological factors in how you process the information, how you perceive the information. That's tricky, right? Because that, that, that's related with the personality and the way we use the cognitive functions and the way we think. Okay, But suddenly the stress response can, can be changed and, um, and psychological variables they could modulate the stress response. Uh, so we're going to start processing and learning about the keys or, or the building blocks about physio, psychological, not physiological, psychological stressors. So uh, this is divided into five main blocks, okay? The first one that we're going to cover is the outlets for frustration, okay? The outlets of 
for frustration. And the way I'm going to explain you this is through a series of studies that they are really interesting and also telling you some personal stories and also like reflecting and learning about that. Look how interesting. They were doing some experiments with little rats. They use rats for a lot of experiments, okay? So what what they were doing is they have they had a, a rat that receives a mill electric cold shock, okay? Uh, and over a series of these, the rat develops a prolonged stress response because they were doing this like quite a lot of times. What's the stress response? Well, is the heart rate, is the uh, glucocorticoid secretion, rates, the, the, the rate goes up, uh, and the, gluco, the glucocorticoid is like, um, let's, it's, it's, it was the cortisol, okay? We are very uh, probably familiar with that kind of hormone, and, and it, well, it creates, it creates an stress on, on, the, on the body. And what they were doing at the same time, it's in the, that in the next room, they had rats with the same series of um, shocks, with the same identical pattern, the same intensity, so everything a bit protocolized. Um, and what they could see is the, um, the well, they, they wanted to create the same response, but what they were doing is that whenever the rat gets a shock, it can run over to a bar of wood and it can play with it, it can now on it, and it can be, you know, putting all the stress out. The rat in this situation is far less likely to get an ulcer. Uh, why? It's common sense because you have given it an outlet of, of, for frustration. So uh, what they have been um, doing as well in some experiments is giving different um, outlets for frustration, like for example, eat something, drink water, or spring on a running wheel. And what they found is that uh, it's less likely to develop an, ul an ulcer. Well, it's common sense, right? We, we humans, we do this, okay? Uh, we are bipedal beings, and we do deal with these kind of stressors as well by using much, uh, very often, movement, okay, to modulate the stress response. Sometimes we punch a wall, sometimes we take a run, sometimes we lift weights, and sometimes we do even utilize the imagination in order to get some relief, okay? Because imagine, for example, that you are, you know, you are doing a hiking and you run out of water and then it's really warm, it's 30 degrees and you don't have water uh, and, and you start imagining how, you know, how pleasure, how much pleasure you're going to feel when you get to the next uh, water station or the next village and you get water, okay? That probably could relieve a little bit that stress response. The imagination that you have, or for instance, consider like a prisoner of war who spends hours imagining um, a golf game, for example, in tremendous detail. Using imagination, okay, it can help, okay? So, it's really important to consider that um, it's it's important uh, to find outlets for frustration, and sometimes getting distracted from the stressor, it can help as well, right? Uh, however, it's more important that it's um, finding cognitive processes to modulate with this stress response because uh, it's good sometimes to get distracted, okay? And stay tuned with this because that's something that I'm going to be speaking about in, in the next series of episodes about positive psychology. 
that I was speaking on the previous episodes. Uh, sometimes it's good to choose that as a tool uh, to reduce, to alleviate the stress response and to uh, you know deal with negative emotions. But it's more important to well to think about uh, how to deal with this physical. Uh, with this, with this stress, uh, stress response, but physical exercise is normally um, an outlet for frustration that it, it works wonderful and and it's it's quite quite important because it helps us with to deal with uh, with frustration. But look at this. There's another experiment that it, it was really interesting because it uncovers a special feature of the outlet for frustration reaction. And this time, what they were doing is that when the rats um, gets the identical series of electrical shocks and is upset, obviously, because imagine if you are a rat and they are like giving you electrical shots, shocks. The next uh, the next thing the rat was doing is go next to another rat and bite the hell out of it. So the stress in induced displacement of aggression, the practice, the practice works wonders at minimizing the stressfulness of a stressor. So um, that's that's something that sometimes you know uh, happens uh, as a human. You know, if your boss or uh, someone you know is very stressed, or it's like I don't know, it's it's just um, is is the kind of guy who doesn't get the ulcers. He gives them right. It's taking it out on someone else because uh, it helps. To, to minimize the impact of the stress or whatever is the stressor for that person. But uh, sometimes uh, that's, that's what happens. And finding ways for dealing with the outlets of frustration is really, really important. And as a personal trainer, physical exercise is really, really important. Um, and especially, well, strength training, and but physical exercise, it's absolutely uh, fundamental. The next, okay, the next, um, the next block of, of why psychological stress is stressful is social support. Okay, we're gonna understand a little bit about social support through a series of studies. What they were doing is like, imagine this: put a primate through something unpleasant, and it gets a stress response, and put it through the same stressor while in a room full of uh, an other primates, and it depends. It depends how the primate is going to modulate that stress response. If those primates are strangers, the stress response gets worse. But if they are friends, the stress response is decreased. So it makes sense, right? Social support networks, it helps to have a shoulder to cry on it, right? And a hand to hold, an ear to listen to you, someone to cradle you and to tell you, you know, it will be okay. You will be okay. Okay, so it's really, really important, and we we know this as a humans. Again, I was um, speaking a little bit into the details in the previous episode about positive psychology. That is very important to have meaningful and positive social relationships. Okay, because it will help to deal with the stress of life. Another series of studies that they were doing it with some baboons. Okay, is really interesting because. Uh, if, if they have like a lot of friends, if they are surrounded by, it, um, you know, uh, kids and they play with kids and they have, you know, uh, frequent non-sexual grooming boots with females, uh, 
that social support is protective for it was protective for the baboons. But this social support, as we are saying, is very important as well for humans. And look at this, because this is very interesting. It's been demonstrated in in some kind of studies. And pay attention, because what they were doing is subjects, they were exposed to a stressor, such as having uh, to give a public speech, which we know that's, you know, it's quite stressful, okay? Because we feel anxious and, uh, and it's quite unconscious. Or they were asking them to perform a mental arithmetic task. Or having uh, two strangers arguing with them. And they were doing this with or without a supportive friend present. In each case, social support translated into less of cardiovascular stress response. But, you know, it makes sense, right? Imagine you are on the street and uh, imagine you're, going, you're walking on a park. You know what? I'm going to tell you a personal story. I was cycling one day and then, uh, oh, I'm remembering this. I was cycling one day through a park and then I saw, I saw someone dying on the floor. Like, uh, yeah, he was, he was dying. Anyway, people were there. Some of them, of, of, of the medical authorities, they, they were there and they were already doing, uh, the CPR and, you know, at some point I left because I was like, what the hell I'm going to be doing here? But I, I was quite stressed after that. And I remember I, I, I was, I had the feeling of, um, speaking with someone and I, and I couldn't for different reasons. So probably I had my, my blood pressure up to the moon and probably I had a lot of cortisol in my body. But, you know, imagine I come back home and I had a friend there and I speak with a friend or whatever. Probably I could have felt much, much better. So it makes sense, right? This is like a personal story. But another another example is, uh, and this has been shown, is that among women with, metastatic, with, with breast cancer, okay, the more social support, the lower the resting cortisol levels. So this is really important. Social networking is really, really important and especially meaningful relationships because people people who are socially isolated, they, ha- they have a, a, an overly active sympathetic nervous system. And this uh, part of our nervous systems, it's the one you know that it switches on when we are anxious, is the fight, fight and fly uh, and freeze response that we sometimes... Uh, we can have and these people are more likely to have heart disease and you know higher risk of dying and less life expectancy so being part of a community having having friends social relationships uh that they can support you it's really really important to modulate to uh, regulate the stress response whatever that is all right whatever whatever that might be the stress response, because remember, psychological factors can influence on that. Again, the same stressor can affect differently to one person or another. For example, the example I told you, when I was seeing this person dying on the floor with a heart attack or whatever he had, I'm sure that the you know the the nurses and you know the uh, ambulance nurses and doctors you know, I'm sure they had less stress response. Why? Because they are exposed to that every day, right? So um, the body can adapt. So uh, 
social networking, uh, it's important. I don't know what I was saying that, but anyway, that could be that could be as well because of the predictability, which is the next uh, block of of this. Okay. But it's been shown in a series of studies a few things which are really, really interesting. And, and for example, they had, again, rats. Again, they were experimenting with rats. And what they do this time is the rats, the rat gets the same pattern of electric shocks again. But this time, just before it's shocked, it hears like a warning bell, ding, 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 ding. Fewer ulcers. Why? Because the predictability makes stressor less stressful. And it makes sense. The rat with the warning gets two pieces of information. It learns that when something dreadful is about to happen, the rest of the, of the time it, it won't happen, right? So it can relax. While the other rat, you know, without the warning, can always be like, uh, it's going to be stressed because it's like, Oh my God, just a half second away from the next shock. And I don't know when this is going to happen. So information that increases predictability tells you that there is bad news, but comforts you that it's not going to be worse. So you are going, is the rat is thinking, you know, you are going to get shocked soon, but it's never going to be sprung on you without warming. Warning. So, you know, third certain amount of predictability. So as a humans, we, we developed the same kind of uh, principle. It's equivalent. And this is like something that it makes sense, okay? Let's, again, common sense. Imagine you are, in, you are in the dentist chair, okay? And the dentist is drilling away. 10 seconds of whatever he's doing. He's just nerve curling pain or... Mm, you know, drilling, whatever he's doing. And then you ask, almost done? It's almost done because you are suffering. And you ask, almost done? And imagine the dentist tells you, hard to say. <sighs> imagine how the, the psychological process you're going to start having. But imagine the dentist tells you, uh, two more and we are done. You know, if the dentist is telling you hard to say, it's like, when the hell this is going to end? This is painful this is so unpleasant and you don't know when it's going to end. You know, it will end at some point, but you don't know when. But if it tells you to, it's like you will utilize different psychological strategies. Maybe you start thinking, imagining something else. You start getting distracted. You start counting back. You start uh, doing breathing exercises because, you know, it's two and it's done. So um, it's, it's, it's certain Certain information can help, okay, again, to modulate uh, the stress response. And something that is quite interesting is that the power of, of loss of predictability as a psychological stressor, um, it's, 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 it's something that has been studied. And I'm going to tell you the study. So, again, rats. Rats, again. A rat is going about its business in its cage, okay? It's doing... He's doing some, whatever he's doing, okay? Smelling around, walking, whatever. And at measuring intervals, the experiment delivers a piece of food down into the cage. The rat goes, it happily, perfect. Okay? Now, what they were doing, they changed the pattern of food delivery so that the rat gets exactly the same total amount of food over the course of an hour, but at random rate. 
the rat receives just as much reward, but less predictably. Less, it's less, less predictably. Less predictable. Uh, and what they found is that the glucocorticoid levels, up we go. So in this scenario, there is not a single physically stressful thing going on in the rat's world. It's not hungry, you know, it's not starving. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's okay. It's the absence of any stressor. In the absence of any stressor, loss of predictability triggers a stress response. So that's thing like really, really interesting. And again, as humans, I think it makes kind of sense as well, because when, you know, when you know you're going to eat, and some people get really stressed when they don't eat, uh, depending the amount of self-control you have. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes very, it's much more like psychological stress, stressful, you know, waiting for food than physical, because it's like, you know, it's not that you are going to die. Okay, sometimes it might happen, but uh, it, it might happen that it's that uh, you really need food. Because, for example, you've been playing exercise, or you've been you've been playing sports, you've been doing exercise, or a strong, very hard session. Maybe you really need, uh, you know, some glucose or, or whatever. Okay, but uh, listen, this is really interesting. Okay, because uh, it's been proven in in in. Uh, in a human, in a human version of the same idea, has been documented, and and this is the story. During during the Second World War, during the bombings of England, London was hit every every night like clockwork, like a lot of stress every night, like bombing, bombing, bombing. But in the suburbs or the suburbs, the bombing were far more sporadic. So they were occurring perhaps once a week uh, or twice a week, whatever. So few, fewer stressors, right? But much less predictability. There was a significant increase in the incidence of ulcers during that time. Who developed more ulcers? Well, it's shown that the suburban population, and this is like another example of the importance of an, an unpredictability by the third month of the bombing, of the bombing ulcer rates in all the hospitals had dropped back to normal. It, it, it kind of makes sense, okay? But, well, this is a very, you know, tricky context. However, we need to consider something. It's like certain amount of predictability is, is good, but up to one specific point, because... This is related with the next uh, with the next one, which is control. Okay, but we live in a society that we want to predict everything. We want to control everything, and this is like a dichotomy because you know, on the one hand, you know, some certain amount of uh, predictability, certainty, okay, control is important as a human needs. Okay, but too much. It can be counterproductive, and nowadays it's we have a lot of technology, a lot of apps. Uh, you know, you can check the weather, you can check the rain probability, you can, uh, you know, you can anticipate too many things. And sometimes that can be good, but sometimes it can be stressful. Uh, example, you know, I, I, in my personal experience, I 
I live in Oxford, okay, and I go cycling everywhere and sometimes I go cycling to, I always go cycling to work. But during, during the COVID, during the pandemics, I was training a lot of clients in the parks. And in England, it rains. It rains in Oxford, okay? So I found like an app that it was the Rain Raider. Perfect. Because it was a raider, okay, for the clouds and the rain. And I could predict, it predicts very accurate, um, well, the rain that is going to happen in certain specific areas, like in this case in Oxford. And I was perfect because, you know, if I was going to train someone and in the next hour it was like, it was going to be pouring down, I could cancel the training. So I could have less stress response probably. But, you know, sometimes you need to adapt because imagine, uh, imagine it says it doesn't rain. Okay. And then I go there and it, it starts pouring down like a lot. Probably I could get frustrated and angry because I could say, oh my God, the app said that it wasn't going to rain that much and now it rained and now I cannot train and I'm losing money, I'm losing my time, and I'm getting wet, whatever, whatever. So that's the uh, that's the tricky part of, 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 of predictability, okay? Like an example that it might help you to understand this. And this is related a little bit with control, okay? Rat studies again. Poor rats, every day working and they don't get paid. But rat studies also demonstrate a related facet of psychological stress. Give the rat the same series of socks. Again, zzz, 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 socks, electrical socks the whole time. But this time, um, you study a rat that has been trained to press a lever to avoid electrical shocks. Okay? So now, take away the, the lever, the lever, the lever, sorry, the lever, and shock it. Why? Because the rat develop and the shock it because the rat develops a massive stress response. And it's as if the rat were thinking something like, I can't believe this. I know what to do about electric shocks. Give me a damn lever and I could handle this. This is it's, it's not fair. It's not fair. Give me the lever. I know what to do to stop the electrical shocks. So in this scenario, the rats, they are going to develop like a lot of bad things like ulcers, high glucocorticoid levels, poorer immune function, and faster to more growth. But look at this because give the trained rat a lever to press even if it's disconnected from the shock mechanisms. And it still helps. Down goes the stress response. Why? Because the rat has certain amount of control and, you know, maybe it's placebo or whatever, but it helps the rat to, well, uh, to have less stress response. And this is an extraordinary power, powerful variable in modulating the stress response. Look at this, because this is, again, from rats to humans, okay? The identical style of experiment with humans with similar results. Place two people in two different rooms next to each other. And then expose both uh, to intermittent mm, noxious and loud noises. You know, you are disturbing them. And the person who has a, bot a bottom and believes that pressing it decreases the likelihood of more noise is less hypertensive. And in one variant of this experiment, what they were doing is the subjects with the bottom who did not bother to press, it did just as well as those who actually pressed the bottom. Thus, 
The exercise of control is not critical. Rather, it is the belief that you have that you have it. It's the belief. And every day, example, you know, in, in, why do you think, why do you think that people, maybe even you, get much more stress when they are on a plane than when they are on the on the car? You have a journey and it's like, you know, it's not just the phobias, right? Because maybe a phobia is different, but even though it could be. Why do you think is that? Probably, probably because when when you, even though you know that it's more, there are more accidents, car accidents, and plane accidents, right? Well, because you don't have control at all. So when when you're on the plane, you are there. Nothing you can do. It's all on the pilot. It's all on this. Well, also on on the on the system and of, of the plane, but it's mostly all, all on the on the pilot, right? And if you're driving, you know you have uh, you're driving, and probably you are thinking that you are better than the average driver, right? It's like I drive really good, so it, it creates. Let's let's stress because you have certain amount of control. When you're on the plane, nothing you can do. You can be praying, or maybe you can be just you know wishing that the pilot had a nice sleep. Okay, eight, eight seven eight hours with you know REM faces and all the sleeping faces uh, of of the sleeping patterns, and you know he had a nice breakfast in the morning. Okay. Not not very full because otherwise a lot of digestion. So you know it's it's like, but it's not under your control. If you're driving, you know you you are with the hands on on the car. So the issue of control runs through the literature on the psychology of stress. Uh, and and right now we know that it can modulate, it can reduce the amount of stress that we can experience that we can experience if we have certain amount of control. Mm, so, for example, uh, another another interesting thing is that mm, having certain amount of control in certain things it helps us to feel very satisfied when we get like a reward, right? So, in it's what I was telling you, we need certain amount of control. It's a human need, but it's been it's been um, shown in an experiment something really really extraordinary. So both pigeons, this time pigeons, okay, but also rats, they prefer to press a lever in order to obtain food so long as the task is not too difficult, okay? So it must be easy for them. Over having the food delivered freely. So, um, well, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the reward. is the reward of obtaining like something because you have certain amount of control. Mm. But it's very important um, to understand that um, that predictability and control, okay, it's uh, it, it, it can it can help, but sometimes it cannot help. For example, I'm gonna tell you a personal story. Recently, especially when I was reading uh, a book and some stuff that I was reading to prepare these these episodes, okay, I was on the plane. And I was coming back to Spain on holidays, and then I was I started speaking with uh, a woman next to me, and we had a really nice chat. 
And then we were about to land in Spain, in Madrid. And then the plane started like, I don't know, moving around. And, you know, I, I didn't even realize, but the plane was moving too much. I didn't realize at all. And I got freaking dizzy. I was like so dizzy. And because uh, whatever reason, I, I think it's the moving of the plane. I was looking towards the right the whole time. So my neck, uh, you know, it's it wasn't in the proper position. Whatever. I got really stressed physically. Okay. Physically. But then I started observing my, my, uh, my thoughts and it's like, I was thinking, oh my God, this is so bad. Am I going to be able to, you know, I started thinking a bit more negatively. And then I thought, you know, this is a great example. This is a great opportunity to utilize what I've been learning. Because I was like, you know, this is a physical stress. I should recover quite quickly. Okay. So I'm going to be fine after a little while. Let it, let it pass. My body, it's capable to, uh, you know, to recover. And that's it. And you know what? It, 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 it did take a little bit. Okay. It's not when we landed and I was feeling better. And then, uh, you know, I, I had to go through the boarding and I was feeling better. I still felt a little bit bad, but I recovered quite quickly. And that was interesting because comparing with other experiences I had, uh, like getting dizzy on planes or maybe on cars or buses, uh, it, it used to last much more. You know, I don't know if it was influenced by the fact of thinking, you know, I'm going to be okay or that I had a little bit of coke as well because I know that works. But seriously, I, I was thinking, you know, at least psychologically, I was feeling like really calm because I was like, this is a physical stress. And it's going to pass. End of the story. So, lo and behold, I was like surprised and I was like, phenomenal. This is a great example. And I was like, I will tell you this in my podcast. And here you have the story. So, it can get better. So, next we'll go to the next one. So, now we're going to be speaking about perception of things worsening. Okay. Again, it makes absolutely sense. If if you're thinking things are going to be bad, or the perceptions of things are bad, you're going to have more stress. This is more related with anxiety. This is very related and um, linked with the previous episode I was speaking about positive psychology. Okay, so it's everything kind of interrelated in some, some way, and it's, it's really, really interesting. But uh, what is being shown is like two rats gets a series of electrical shocks. On the first day, one gets 10 shocks an hour, and the other one, 50. And the next day, the rats, they are there, and both get 25 shocks an hour. Okay, who do you think that it becomes hypertensive? Who do you think? Obviously, the one going from 10 to 25, because the other rat is thinking, like, <laughs> 20. 25 piece of cheese, no problem at all. I can handle that because I was having 50 shocks an hour and now it's 25. So this is, you know, this is the paradise. So if you give the same degree of disruption, a perception that the events are improving helps tremendously. And that's why resilient people or people who go through very challenging situations and, and they overcome them, they are normally very resilient and they see life with a better perspective or, you know, more relaxed with different values. Or if you've been going through a very delicate period of health or you were, you know, it, it makes sense, right? It's, if you've been 
one centimeter on the cliff about to, you know, to fall down and chow. Uh, and then you are 10 meters apart from the edge of the cliff. You know, it's, it's still maybe a bit stressed because, you know, it's like, you know, it's 10 meters. But, you know, it's, 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 it's you've seen that a bit far away than before, right? So I think this is a, a great analogy to understand this. And pay attention because there's like a, a one classic study and they demonstrated the same with parents of children who had a 25% chances of dying of cancer, sadly. But, and astonishingly, was what they found is that these parents showed only a moderate, a moderate rise in glucocorticoid levels in the bloodstream. Why or how could it be? Because the children, they, the children were all in remission after a period in which the odds of death had been far higher. So again, it's 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 um, it, it's the, the the degree of risk of disruption and the perception that the events are improving. It helps tremendously. It helps a lot, a lot, a lot. So those are the five the five blocks. The outlets of frustration, you know, do something, do something. Normally, exercise is gonna work. Okay, think differently to to uh, well to. To minimize the stress of frustration, we all face frustration. Good social networking, okay? So social networking, social support, it helps a lot. So having good connections, having good um, relationships, meaningful relationships. Certain amount of predictability, okay? That's important, but not too much, okay? Certain amount of control, but not too much, because imagine you're going to get an operation, and you start getting obsessed now. Nowadays, this happens a lot. And you start getting obsessed about searching information about some kind of disease uh, or some kind of you know secondary effects of whatever on Google or on the internet. You know, it's a lot of information, anxiety. It's like during the pandemic times with the COVID, right? How much information we had. It was good and important to have certain amount of information, right? To predict that if I'm wearing a mask. Okay, I will have much less chances to get COVID, right? So that gives me a certain amount of control. I buy a mask and that's it. But thinking too much, whoa, anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And the perception of things getting worse or getting better is really important. And that's a psychological process, which is quite correlated with the previous episode, positive psychology. So go and listen it. Thank you very much for, if you've been here, the 38 minutes, fantastic. Thank you very much. I think it's been very interesting and maybe I, I kept you, I kept you um, engaged with the podcast and follow me on my social media so we can have more interaction, underscore body emotion. Uh, and thank you very much. Thank you very much. My name is David El Corobarrutia. Stay, stay focused on the podcast because uh, I will be, uh, uploading different chapters and we're gonna be speaking about uh, in the next episode related with this is gonna be more uh, related with the personality the impairments and the consequences of, of how certain personalities can have much more stress response thank you very much this is body emotion reminding you to move pain-free and live